0: You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. Uh, Some of you probably have mixed feelings about that, you know, but it is here. Uh, We're in Labor Day weekend. This is the unofficial end to summer. Yeah, there it is again, that groan, the groan, the groan in your heart and in your mouths. Oh, I can't believe it's it's true. It's true. This is the unofficial end. I know some of you might want to argue for me. You know, summer doesn't end until... you know, the middle, later in September, but for the reality is very true. For many of us here in the auditorium, this is really the official end of summer because it starts, we're launching into new things, right? New schools, new classes, new friends for some people, new surroundings for others. Many of you are entered into new schedules. Either at work or at home, some of you are this year are going to face new questions and new challenges in your life. There's just a lot of new. We it's like we stand at the at the starting line of this new year, not knowing at all what's ahead of us. Right? I know that's true because if you look back last year to this weekend, you would. I'd be saying the same thing, and yet you've experienced now that year, and you say, yeah, I mean, I had no, some of you can say, I had no idea that that this past year was going to be the way it's going to be. And it's so it's true of the lives that we're about to, the time we're about to enter into over this next year. We have no idea what's ahead of us, and so what we need is we need wisdom, we need wisdom for what we're about to face. And there's no better place for us to go for wisdom than here in the book of James, because James is a book of wisdom. What Proverbs is to the Old Testament and wisdom, James is to the New Testament and wisdom. This is a book about wisdom. And as many of you have read this book, you know that there are many wise things that are communicated, that God communicates to us in the book of James. For example, uh, wisdom on how to deal with trials, how to think about trials, how to approach trials, wisdom about temptation, wisdom about um, our relationships with another, not to play favorites, or wisdom on how to use our tongues in chapter 3, or even the beginning here, chapter 4, one of the, these amazing uh, passages in verses 1 through verse 12, where he's talking about wisdom on how to deal with conflict in our relationships. Anybody have conflict? Anyone experienced it? Well, maybe... Maybe you're not experiencing it right now, but sometime this year you're going to experience that. And so here God's word is full of wisdom about different kinds of things. Now here in verses 13 through 17, the passage that we're going to look at this morning, God is giving us wisdom. I would call it a wise warning. Okay, in James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17. He's warning us that that sometimes, sometimes as we face the unknown, as we're thinking about what's next, the decisions we have to make or the choices we have to make, the pathways we have to choose, all these different things, sometimes, sometimes we have the tendency to take control or try to take control when really what we should be doing is trusting in God who is always in control. We have this tendency to try to take control when we should be trusting in God who is always in control. So let's read the passage, okay? James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. He says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? God's telling us here, warning us here with these words of wisdom in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, that we have this tendency to try to take control when what we should be doing is trusting in God who is always in control. So, you'll see that in our first point this morning with this here in James chapter 4, verse 13. We have this tendency to have a misplaced confidence in ourselves. We rely on our own energy, we rely on our own efforts, we rely on our own initiative, we rely on our own insight, our own ingenuity, our own creativity, our own plans to navigate the challenges, the future, the unknown, the everyday in our lives. You'll see that in verse 13. Look at this plan that these people have. Verse 13. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So James is speaking to an actual specific situation in the church. There's a group of people who are in business with one another. They're either trying to expand their business or start a new business and they set out on a plan to accomplish this. They've made their pitch. It'd be like they were standing at the front of the auditorium this morning and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, and we're going to go step one, step two, step three, step four, and everything's going to be awesome. Who's in? And you're all looking at me going, man, I don't know if I'm in. But they were convinced. They were convinced. They had these steps. Look at the Verse 13. This step one, what's their first step? They say this, today or tomorrow. They're not exactly sure when. It's going to happen today, maybe tomorrow. I mean, sometime down the road, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to, step number one, we're going to go into such and such a town. Okay, so they don't even have, like, I I don't know, they're, they're establishing this plan. They have so much confidence in their own plan. They don't even have, like, a necessarily a specific destination in mind. It's just such-and-such such a town. In other words, it could be Toronto. It could be St. Catharines. It could be Moose Jaw. It doesn't really matter. Such-and-such such a town, any town. It just, it, this, they have so much confidence in their plan. They have so much confidence in themselves that they're saying, all we're, gonna do, we're just going to go somewhere, and then step two, we're going to spend a year. Do you see what it says there? And spend a year there, it says in verse 13. So step one is we're just going to pick out a town somewhere, a city somewhere. We're going to go in there, and we're going to spend a year there. This is how long it's going to take for us to be successful. We'll spend a year there, and then what, do you, what are they going to do? Then they say this. Here's step three. Step three, what are we going to do? We're going to what? Trade. Okay. Now, I, I don't know about you, but like, if if you're trying to find investors, right? This is probably the, this is probably not the best way to do it. Hey, we're gonna go. We don't know where we're gonna go, but we're gonna go to some kind of town somewhere, some kind of city somewhere. We're just gonna spend a year, and we're gonna trade. Okay. Like, what? Like, are you trading farm goods? Are you trading widgets? Are you trading? What are you doing what are you doing No this is that the plan is we've got the city we've got places in mind we're going to go wherever it is we're going to spend a year there and we're going to trade and then step number 4 here's the result what's going to happen we're going to make a what a profit. profit we're going to make a boatload of cash We're in are you in that's what they're doing. They have these steps to success. They actually believe that all they have to do is work the plan and run the play. Work the plan, run the play. I've got it down. I know exactly how this is going to work out. Right? And every once in a while, you'll meet someone like that. I don't know if you've ever met people like this that just seem, they seem to ooze so much confidence in themselves that it doesn't really matter what they're trying to sell. It could be a widget. It could be, I don't know, ice. They're trying to sell ice to... People who live in the north, like, I mean, I mean how hard could that, that be? I mean, it's just so, they just ooze this kind of confidence. And every once in a while, you'll meet people like that. They just have a sense that they have all this confidence in their plan. And I've, uh, you know, occasionally, I haven't met a lot of people like that, but I do meet some people like that. I've met a lot of young, soon-to-be-married couples. We've done a, done a lot of premarital counseling, over. you know, you live as long as I have. You've done some, a, lot of, a lot of premarital counseling before, and uh, every, occasionally I'll meet a couple that's not married yet, about to be married, and it, during the process of the premarital counseling, they'll actually say something like this, you know, we've got a five-year plan. And at that point, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to respond. I kind of like what most of you who are around my age, age bracket right now just said, you're kind of laughing inside. So I kind of chuckle a little bit inside and say, oh, well, maybe I'll say to them, well, what would that be? I say, well, I'll, inevitably it kind of goes like this. Well, for the first year, we're both going to get really good paying jobs. Then year two, we're going to travel. And then in year three, we're going to buy a house. And then sometime around year five, we'll have our first job. Kind of, it kind of goes like the dates do change and all the kind, but there's this kind of this kind of order. And at that point, at that point, after they've finished kind of mapping out, telling me their their plan, right? We're going to go into such and such a city, right? We're going to spend a year there, kind of do that. Then we're going to we're going to trade, and then we're going to make a profit. It kind of sounds similar. They have this kind of plan in place. At some point, I'm not really sure whether I'm supposed to tell them. Um, I'm not sure it's going to work like that or whether I should just kind of be happy for them. But look at what James does, how James responds to these business people in his church who said that they've got a foolproof plan. What he does is he basically tells them, hey, I just want to tell you something. Sometimes things don't work out as planned. See what he says in verse 14? You're saying this, come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Then he says this, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's like he, James brings these two variables, two very important variables into their decision making, into their statements. It's like like they have this balloon of confidence that's just full, full of air, and he's going to take these two little pins, and he's going to prick holes into their balloon of confidence. And the first prick that he makes is when he says this, don't you know that life's uncertain? There's an uncertainty to life. He says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know. Uh, I... Like listening to weather forecasters is probably the only reason I really watch any kind of news anymore. I mean, I do have an app on my phone. Actually, I have two weather apps on my phone, and uh, I like to consult my weather app every day. Anybody else do that? Anybody else do that? Just confession time. We all love to know what the weather is going to be and all that kind of stuff. And I know. Today and today's day, weather forecasting is much better than what it was when I was growing up in the 60s and the 70s. I mean, in the 60s and the 70s, forecasting was like just open the door and look at the sky, right? That's what it's kind of like. Now they got all these kind of gadgets and all that kind of stuff that they, they do that. But here's the truth is this not still true? Is this not still true? Weather forecasters are not always right. They're not. Yeah, really. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is a business forecaster. That's what he does for a living. He works for a cell company in the uh, cell phone company in the United States, and his job is to forecast the future. Yeah, he gets paid to do that. That sounds like a sweet job. I always kind of bug him about that. You I mean do you get paid for that? Yeah, he says. So what he does is he he analyzes trends. He looks at what the competitors are doing. And then he basically makes recommendations to his bosses. He's not the only one. There's actually more, They actually have more than one person that's doing that. That actually is, is, does that process for them. That's what he does. And guess what? He's not always right. You can make an educated guess, but none of us knows what tomorrow will bring. No one knows what tomorrow will bring. Proverbs 27, verse 1 here on the screen. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Don't boast about tomorrow. You just don't know what a day is going to bring. You have no idea. You don't, you just do not know. Why? Because life is uncertain. Uncertainty is built into life itself. You and I don't know. We just don't know. That's now, that's the first little hole that he kind of puts into their confidence balloon. The second kind of hole that he does is in this one. Not only is life uncertain, but it's also brief. Do you see what he says next? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So you're like this picture. This is what your life is like. It's like, it's like mist. I mean, I love, I love seeing the mist over a valley, you know, a valley area in the morning, and and as but what happens after as the sun rises? What happens to the mist? It disappears. It disappears. It's gone. It burns off. This is the picture. That, James, that God gives James and James gives to us in James chapter 4, that the Holy Spirit is telling us, this is what your life is like. It's like a mist that burns off. That's what it's like. Life is brief. He's saying life is brief. Look at Psalm 102 verse 3. It says, "For my days pass away like smoke." The same Psalm verse 11, it says this, "My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass." Now, I know I know some of you are like in your 20s or your your teens and your 20s or maybe some of you are in your 30s and maybe some of you are in your 40s and You're thinking that life is going to last a long time. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Take it from somebody who's done all of that and is now on the back end. Your life's like mist. And it burns off. It's like an evening shadow. It withers away like grass. It's gone like that. It goes fast. I know in our heads, I know everybody in this room in our heads, we know that we're not going to live forever. We're not going to live forever here on this earth. We all know that to be true. But why is it then that we act like we have all the time in the world? You and I have no idea. We have no idea whether we have a year or two or three, let alone an hour or two or three and here these men or these, these business people here in the church are um, they're just confident in themselves they're confident in their plan but their confidence is really totally unfounded why because life is uncertain and life is brief you can't you can't you, there is no such thing as a foolproof plan right because life is uncertain and life is brief now the issue is not that they have a plan. The issue is that they placed all their confidence in the plan. Okay, that's not, the problem is not the plan. It's, it's their confidence. See, they're, they're placing their confidence in the wrong thing. Look at verse 16. It says this. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. Who are they placing their confidence in? They're placing their confidence in themselves. See. It's this beautiful kind of language here. Not only are they arrogant, not only are they full of themselves, not only are they full of pride, not only are they so much full of confidence in themselves and their own abilities to establish this foolproof land, not only do they have all of that kind of confidence, that kind of arrogance, but they're boasting in their arrogance. It's bad enough to be arrogant. God says a lot about pride, but to actually boast about it. So, so you, you got to picture these people as they're talking about their plans. They're so convinced about their plans. They're so full of themselves that they're saying to everybody else, look at us. Look how awesome we are. We're going to go into such and such a town. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to trade. And we're going to make all this kind of catch. We are awesome. And that's the issue here that, that James and God is speaking to us. They're boasting in their arrogance. They're placing that kind of confidence in themselves. Hope Bible Church Oakville is about, we are actually in our 20th year of, um, of existence. And so in April of 2024, we're going to have a big party and we're going to celebrate and have a lot of fun together. It's going to be going to be absolutely great. And I just want to I just want to just say, hey, you know, when you find out with the date, I can't remember what the date is. When you find out with the date, just come. OK, just come for the party. Have a great time. And we can all kind of hang out together. It'd be really awesome. Like, right? You know, it's OK. Pastor Ross says, OK, you can come on the Sunday or the Saturday or whenever it's happening. Just have just have a good time with us. Um, But I know know this to be true. You would find it, would you not find it extremely odd that on that Sunday when we were celebrating the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, would you not find it odd that if we all stood up and we just started talking about ourselves, about how awesome we were? Looking back on the 20 years and say, yeah, you know, we started out as a small little core group, you know, here are the people that were part of the core group. Aren't these people great? Aren't they kind of amazing? Like it's all you know, it's all about them. And then we kind of we we moved to the church on Lakeshore. Then we when we moved from there to the to our borough where we are now. And then we paid off our debt, and we've seen thousands of people baptized. We've been able to plant. You know all all these different churches, hoping. that Look at what we did. You know we're we're the ones that 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 made Hope Niagara happen and all that kind of stuff. Would you would you kind of feel odd that if all you ever heard about, on that Sunday was like, "Wow, look at how great we are." Every single one of you say, "For sure, that's weird." I mean, look at God's faithfulness. Look at His goodness. Look at His grace. Well, that same. Attitude. That same reaction that you had to Sunday that needs to move to Saturday to Monday to Saturday. Because God's in control of everything. He's in control of of our of our entire our entire lives, and we need to learn how to do that. Like maybe some of you are actually going to have a parent teacher meeting this uh, this fall. I'm just going to assume it's going to be a good one. Okay. Maybe it won't be a good one, but I'm just going to go with the good one. Okay. It's going to be a good parent teacher meeting. Maybe you're going to go to room 315 and you're meeting the teacher at 730. Okay. So if you actually end up in a room 315 at 730, I'm not trying to be prophetic right now. It's just a, just an example. So, um, and you get into that room and, and like, um, the teacher starts raving about your kids, right? Oh, your kids are amazing. So-and-so is awesome. And you kind of think to yourself, like, am I in the right room? You know, kind of thing. Is this the right where I'm supposed to be? And but they just going on and on and on and then they start talking about you and they saying, Well, I don't know, but you must be doing something really amazing but with your child and I just want you to keep doing all the good things that you're doing. You know, if there was a Parent of the Year award, I'm sure you would win the Parent of the Year Award. And like you might be walking into the class like this, feeling like this, and then by the time you come out, you're going, Yes, I'm feeling pretty good about myself, and you're walking out to get your car, get into your car, and you're going, Yeah. Look at me. Look at how awesome I am. I am like the parent of the year. That's absolutely amazing. And those of us who have parent, have been the privilege to parent children for many years, we all know this to be true, even though there's a lot of things that we do and a lot of good things that we need to do, really, when it really comes down to it, what's it about? It's about God's grace, right? Right. Or maybe maybe you're a business owner and um, you had a great year in your business. You, know, you had a strategic plan. You set goals. You executed your goals. You blew past your financial projections. And you gather your team together. You stand up in front of your team. You say, look at what we've done, man. Are we not awesome? Look at what we did. We're just the best people ever. It sounds like what King Nebuchadnezzar said about his kingdom in Daniel chapter four. It says, at the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Now here's the king of Babylon. Not the king. We're not talking about the king of Israel. We're not talking about the king of Judah. We're talking about the king of Babylon. He's he's, He's standing, he's looking over the kingdom. He said, man, look at that. My mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. And it says this, while the words were still in the king's mouth, God took the kingdom from him. Took it right out. While the words were still on his lips, He was driven out from among men. He ate grass like an ox. His hair grew long. His nails were like bird's claws. Why? Why? Because such boasting is evil. It's evil. When we have a misplaced confidence in ourselves to the point where we are taking all the credit and we're shining all the spotlight on ourselves... But we're taking what is rightfully God's and we're giving it to ourselves. This kind of boasting, boasting in your arrogance, is evil. And so there are times when we can have a misplaced confidence in ourselves, when we should be having, second point, a strong conviction in God. Look at what it says in verse 15. Now, some of you are being observant, and saying, Whoa, he didn't do verse 15. We're doing it now. Okay, verse 15. Instead, he says, so you see the breakdown of this passage. Look at verse 13. It says, come now you who say, then verse 15. So they're saying this. Now, verse 15, instead, you say this. So don't say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Don't have that kind of confidence in Don't boast in your own arrogance. Instead, you ought to say this, verse 15, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is a strong conviction in God. He says, if the Lord wills. That's the Latin phrase, Deo valente. God willing. Kent Hughes reminds us that when the Puritans used to write letters to one another, they would write these personal letters. They would talk about, "Hey, let's get together next Tuesday at you know for lunch or something like that." You say, "Well, why didn't they just text one another, or why didn't they just pick up the phone?" Because it's the Puritans we're talking about. Long time ago, they used to have to write letters to one another, and they write letters to one another. They set up appointments, and but at the bottom, at the bottom of the letters that they always wrote, they used to put these initials, D V. Deo valente, God willing, Lord willing. And James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says to these business people in the church, instead of boasting in your own arrogance, instead of being confident in your own plans, your own energy, your own insight, your own initiative, your own ingenuity, you should be saying, Deo valente. If the Lord wills. Now, this isn't a tagline. It's not like a, not like two words we kind of add on. Look at you know a lot of you kind of, we do this many times with one another. You know I'll say some, I'll say something to Pastor Ross. You know and then I'll say hey Dale Valente I'll guarantee you before the day's over we'll do that to each other. All right we'll say Lord willing okay I want to do this but it's really dependent on the Lord. You know Dale Valente Lord willing we'll want to do that with one another. But it's not this is not supposed to be a tagline. Something you add to the end of your sentence, it's actually a conviction. A conviction that you actually believe it's Lord willing. God willing, these things will happen. God willing, nothing happens, no outcome in my life but by God himself. It's God willing. Well, you say, well, how, how do you know that's true? Like, how do you know it's actually true? How do you know it's actually Deo Valente, God willing, DV? How do you know that? Well, because all the Scripture, the whole story of human history is Deo Valente. Right, when you think about creation in Genesis chapter 1 and, verse, uh, and chapter 2, where God created the world. He created a perfect world. He, this is what he did. It was all according to his will and to his word that he created the world. And then sin enters into the world in Genesis chapter three. And the result of that is the world does, lives underneath the curse of sin. And so God then, what does God do? He puts a plan in place that was in plan for all of eternity that, that his son, Jesus Christ, would actually come to this earth and die on the cross and pay the penalty for sin. To correct, solve, so that you, if you were to express faith in who Jesus is, I mean, he left heaven, he came to this earth, he took on human form, he came as a baby, he didn't even come as a king, he came as a baby, and he lives this perfect life, he humbled himself. He took on your sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, "He became the one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. Your sin, Jesus took your sin on himself and then if you express faith in what Christ has done for you on the cross, if you believe in his sacrifice, you then can have a relationship with, with God, where God actually sees you as being righteous. Why is that? Because you are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He takes on what was yours. He gives you what was his. And then God begins this work of absolute restoration where he, because we we see the salvation in Christ, we're beginning to be restored and all creation becomes restored eventually in the new heavens and the new earth. Why do do I have confidence that it's the Lord willing? Because it's all Lord willing. Everything is Lord willing. Everything is DV. Ephesians chapter one, verse 11 says, in him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 22, tells us about Jesus. I I just love this description of Jesus. It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things." whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. It's all Jesus. All of it. The creation the sustaining of the world, your salvation, everything. It's all Jesus. Nothing you. All Jesus. Nothing you. All Jesus. It's so awesome. Absolutely awesome. Dale Valente. Lord willing. Jesus. Jesus. See, Jesus has total control. He has total authority, he's above, he's beyond us and at the same time he's intimately engaged with us we are sa- he saved us by grace through faith, he loves us, he's working good in us and for us and in case there's any question, any question about whether Jesus is in control Deo Valente if the Lord lives, James says we will live Every single breath that I take is from the Lord and it's in His hands. If the Lord wills, He says, we will do this or that, which means exactly what it says. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. And if the Lord wills, we won't do this or that. That's what it means. The outcomes of our life are in the hands of God. Deo Valente. Without that strong conviction, without that strong conviction, you're going to trust in yourself. So some of you are saying, well, I, does, does that mean then I shouldn't plan? Am I just supposed to be passive, like sit in the backseat of the car? And like, you know, you know t- what is that country song? Take my, take my hands off the wheel kind of idea. Like I, I, yeah, okay. Some of you actually, that scares me that some of you actually know what that song is. But that's okay. Does that mean I shouldn't have a plan? No, no, Scripture is not anti-planning. It's not anti-effort. That's, that, the issue here is not about the plan. The issue is about what they were trusting in. The Scripture is not anti-planning. It's not anti-effort. It's actually not even anti-ambition. All of those things are assumed because you and I are created in the image of God. Because we are created in the image of God and, and God is like this, we would have these traits in us as well. So... It's not anti-planning. Look at some of these verses from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Just to kind of see the, the example of this. He says, the heart of the man plans his way. Heart of man plans his way. Many of you have in your heart plans. Heart of man plans his way. But remember this. It's the Lord who establishes his steps. Okay, look at the next one. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. Okay, many of you, some of you have a lot of plans. In your minds. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but, but, listen, it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And then here's one of my favorites, Proverbs 21, 31. It says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, right? So on the day of battle, do you just let the horses kind of put the saddles on themselves and kind of, should you prepare your horses and things like that? No, he says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but don't forget this, the what? The victory belongs to the Lord. It's not the horse, right? It's the Lord, right? So it's not, the scriptures are not anti-planning. The issue is, who are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? God's in control. Deo valente, God is in control. You and I are not in control. If the Lord wills, we will live, we will do this or that. that. That should totally transform your outlook on your everyday life. I just think about this just, uh, you know, again this week, thinking about all the different ways of understanding Deo Valente, that the Lord actually is, having this strong conviction that the Lord actually is in control. You see, because the Lord wills, I can actually have confidence, I can have confidence that my life is actually not by chance. I can also... Live in dependence on the Lord because i, I you know i don 't have to depend ultimately i don 't depend on myself ultimately, I depend on the Lord I can have this dependent relationship on the Lord because I believe that He actually is in control. It allows me to seek to live by god 's revealed will in the scripture, which teaches me how to live and what to pursue to seek first the kingdom of God i can I can do that I can prioritize that I also can pray for the God's hidden will to be done. You know, the answers to those questions that you don't have, you know, answers for in scripture. Like, what school should I go to? What's the name of the person that I should actually marry? What kind of car should I drive? You know, there's all these, you know, all these different kinds of questions that you could be asking in your mind that you're not going to get necessarily a specific chapter and verse answer to. But I can pray to the Lord about those things. Why? Because I know he's in control of those things. I can come running to him. I can trust him with the results. I can hold on to my plans that I make actually with open hands. Why? Because I I don't know the future. All I know is what I'm facing this moment. I don't know what's going to happen in 30 minutes from now. I know what's happening right now, and I can... Deal with that, but I hold it all with open hands because the Lord's in control, and I should be okay with that. I should be okay with the control of the Lord and what direction He takes us in. I can move forward with the confidence in the Lord because He is ultimate control. I can actually trust God with the results, whatever they are. And if I could just say to you, for those of you, who are in maybe a whatever kind of experience, you know, like you're you're kind of in that sometimes the whatever's in our life aren't always, always, uh, you know, fun things. Sometimes they're really painful things. And I've shared, I've had my share of painful things in my life and some of you are going through painful things right now and some of you have gone through painful things as well. But to actually have that kind of level in tru- of trust and confidence in the Lord in the midst of the pain and the challenges and the loss to know that somehow, some way, this is still part of Deo Valente, that he knows more than I do. That's hard. But that's what this kind of confidence gives. It allows us to move forward with that, to trust him with the results, to give glory to God for the outcomes. Now, all of this, all of this leads to an inescapable conclusion. This is your third point, verse 17. He says this, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. What's the right thing to do? Well, James has told us, God's told us through the words of James, we're we're supposed to trust in God who is always in control. And when we fail to do that, when we fail to place our confidence in God and when we put our ultimate confidence in ourselves and, and our plans and our abilities, we sin. What that tells me is this isn't a minor thing. This is actually a major thing. You know, some of you up to that point, might be reading that, well, yeah, that's not wise, or maybe that wasn't a good thing to do, to live like No, James actually phrases it as sin. When we take on ourselves the things that God should have, that's sin. Not trusting God, placing confidence in ourselves, a, a failure to believe in God, who, uh, who God is and what he does. It's when we reject his right to control. When we think about Psalm 23, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I, I have everything that I need. It's, it's God that actually leads me beside still waters. He's the one that brings me into green pastures. Even, it's God that even when I face the, the valley of the shadow of death, it's, it's God, right? Even in the midst of the presence of my enemies, it's God. It's God. It's God. It's not me. It's God. Do we actually believe that he is truly our shepherd? Do we believe, like Romans 8, 28, which says, for those who love God, all things work together for good, where God's good is actually making us more like Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing in our lives, to see him do that. As you face the challenges and the questions and the stresses and the new opportunities the decisions you're going to have to make this year, you just got to ask yourself, am I going to put my confidence in Jesus, who's in control, Or am I going to put my confidence in my own ability, my own plans, my own efforts? Is that what I'm going to do? Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Remember, I memorized that when I was a little kid. What's it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will Make your, st- your path straight.